0: you are now listening to liberation i am your host LaCroix hatcher liberation presents coleman yokum and emma tracy this episode i return to pontiac michigan to celebrate the 10th year of Micah 6 community we will discuss the progress of the webster community center and some of the new projects they will be involved in to further meet the needs of the impoverished in pontiac we will also discuss some of the challenges they face with the youth and we will also talk with a special resident of Micah 6 please enjoy this show friends family i am back for season three and to to kick off season three i decided to come back to pontiac michigan to get in touch with my friend coleman and we'll have special guests with this episode um again we have coleman Yoakum of micah six we have emma of micah six um we're here to do a follow up interview to find out the progress on all things Micah Six and the Webster Community Center. But uh, before we get started, I wanna say salute to Ten Years anniversary in all the good work o- we've done.
1: August, uh, yeah. August of this year, yeah, it was our ten year anniversary of buying this house. So uh, I've been in the Detroit area now for eleven years, but we really marked the kickoff for Micah Six is the day we bought this house. So ten years in August.
0: Nice. Um, how are things progressing?
1: Um, great, we had another great summer. Uh, we, keep, uh, we keep getting better at uh, the kids stuff that we're doing and the kids programs that we offer. We keep getting better at growing food. Uh, we've expanded uh, you know, to a third greenhouse now where we, along with a couple of other organizations, are gonna be partnering to do all of our seed starts together in there in the spring, which is really exciting. Uh, I'll let Emma talk more about kids stuff in a minute. And then Webster is closer than ever. Um, we are not immune, uh, unfortunately, to price increases and things like that that mm-hmm. came with COVID and sort of now post-COVID world. Uh, so we've seen our budget. We started at at a at a easy to achieve fourteen million, <laughs> and then we moved to seventeen, and then twenty, and now we are at twenty-three, and we have a couple of funders who. Uh, are coming in to close that up for us pretty quick. And so we're thinking we'll be able to start groundbreaking work uh, either in December or January.
0: Nice. Nice. Of 2023
1: or 24. Uh, 23. So, or what year is it now? Oh, man. Uh, Yes, 23. January of 23. And then we'll be moving in first quarter of 24.
0: Okay. Nice. Um so how have things been um, since last year with restrictions being lifted and things like that? It pretty much go back to normal for
1: Um, There are some things here that have changed a lot. There are some things here that haven't, haven't changed a whole lot. So I mean, during COVID, we were doing a lot of food work. I know that we talked about, you know, that we handed out about 18,000 bags of produce uh, to people in this community at no charge, whether it's through an agency or through Uh, just an open store where people can come in and and get groceries at no charge for a season and Mm. uh, partner with a lot of other programs in the city. So that went really well. Um, Volunteers during COVID, uh, sort of all of our groups stopped, right? Like offices are going remote, churches aren't meeting. So like, you know, any of those groups that had been sending volunteers pretty regularly uh, all fell off during COVID. Mm. Uh, And then instead what we had was about seven or eight individuals who said, We're going to be here three days a week or two days a week or five days a week or whatever. And so we made this real pivot uh, in terms of our volunteers where we did not have a lot of volunteers, but the volunteers we had were here a lot. So that was was pretty interesting. We sort of moved back to uh, a system now where we have a lot of... Uh, visiting groups this is the first summer we've been back to having uh, out of town volunteer groups back who Mm. come and stay here for a week over the summer and work with us and a number of our other community partners uh so that has changed uh quite a bit but the work is still um still busy and in terms of like what life is like for my neighbors um the thing that we have seen the most and the thing that has changed the most in this neighborhood is uh rent uh, during the mm-hmm. eviction moratorium here in Michigan, and I know a number of other states had it as well, um, I think statewide about a third of tenants stopped paying rent. Mm. Uh, so we had an eviction moratorium right. in the state for a while, but we did not have a mortgage moratorium. So landlords were still responsible for paying the mortgage on their properties, even though they had about a third of their people stop paying rent. Wow. Uh, and so now that that has lifted, a number, you know, all those folks who weren't paying have been moved out or evicted or whatever. A lot of landlords are trying to recoup their losses mm-hmm. in increased rent, and we're seeing some of the rental units in our neighborhood were at 650, and that are moving up to like 930 Jeez. a month. Uh, and so, you know, it, our friend Nell, yeah. who works at Chipotle uh, and is trying to go to school, she gets told her rent's going up by a third. There's no way that she can afford that. Mm-hmm. And then Pontiac was already the cheapest place to live in Oakland County. Um, and so now there is nowhere cheaper than Pontiac and it's unaffordable for a lot of the people that we serve and a lot of people that we work with. And we've seen people get evicted on Waldo and on Murphy and on Newberry and on Monroe. Uh, so right now from here, we've probably got about 20 homeless folks who are either, uh, sleeping in cars, uh, in front of the building that they used to live in or Mm. a number that got kicked out of apartments over on Waldo who have built a shanty town over here on a vacant lot. And so we're sort of on the front edge of this housing problem Mm. uh, that is going to get a lot, lot worse. And uh, there is no end in sight and there is no relief in sight. You know, if I decided today that I wanted to start working on the housing problem, I'm still two years away from groundbreaking on a house. Mm. Uh, And so this is a pretty huge crisis that a lot of my neighbors are facing that does not have any relief anytime in the near future.
0: So, with a lot of these problems, are a lot of people turning to you for answers, whether it just be, since you have connections, if you will, um, are they asking you, hey, can you get me in touch with this person and that person, or are they expecting you to assist in paying?
1: Sure. Uh, So, I mean, sort of all levels, right? Our our state senator, Rosemary Bayer, uh, put us on a call probably uh, a month ago with uh, our city commissioner with our mayor with a couple of other helping agencies to just sort of go what are we doing and and what can be done mm-hmm. and um you know there there's a political element to this as well where um there is a large uh, constituency of people here in pontiac who go pontiac has been the place where we build affordable housing in oakland county um So why don't we spread that out a little bit? Why isn't Rochester building affordable housing? Why isn't Madison Heights or Oxford or Lake Orion also building affordable housing? Why is it always that Pontiac is the one who gets looked at Mm -hmm. when we need more affordable housing? And so there's a a sort of a a frustration with that at at the individual level, people in in the city of Pontiac. And that's sort of trickled into, uh, I think, City Hall. And so that question and that conversation is being had a lot. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, so for people in my neighborhood, they do, they come to us and they go, I mean, you know, we were just talking about our friend Nell who got evicted from her apartment, doesn't have anywhere to go. Um, and so she's, you know, can I store my stuff on your porch really indefinitely, Mm -hmm. uh, until I figure out some sort of housing situation and I have no idea when that's going to be. And we just say, yeah, or we have, you know, uh, a number of neighbors who, uh, are, have pivoted and are paying their rent, uh, and the increased rate of rent, but now they're coming to us every month for utility assistance. Uh, and so trying to navigate that and figure that out with folks. And so, uh, yeah. And, and then, you know, the reason we have so many, uh, homeless people in the neighborhood right now is because we do church and kids programs and food and so many other things. Mm. And they go, we love what Micah six does. We don't want to lose touch with this community But we can't afford to live here anymore. Um, So they're just sticking around uh, for unknown or undetermined amounts of time.
0: So all that being said, all these issues, of course, when the adults have these problems, it trickles down to the kids, Mm -hmm. which brings Emma into play. Um, Emma, how do you go about, like, I know you mainly work with them during the summers. Um, Do they come to you for, like, any moral support or just big sister-type love?
2: Yeah. um, We definitely get a lot of the big sister-type love. Um, You know, kids come and walk through the doors all the time Mm -hmm. just wanting, you know, a place to hang out, a place to be with other people, play games, not worry about all the other stuff going on. Um, We do a lot of... um, with our kids in the program um we do a lot of like tutoring like mainly on an individual basis right now where it's like just trying to plug in like resources for them um especially after like covid um the school system and just um being out of a classroom environment and then going back into that environment there a lot of our kids are even more behind academically. Um, So there's been like that bigger gap, but also just like things that come into play when you're in a classroom, like you learn a little more of the classroom structure and like how to, you know, be in a group and how to like work together. And um, in particular with our younger kids, I feel like I've seen that more where, you know, this summer we took um, kids to the art experience, which is, you know, downtown and did different groups with them. And our younger ones had the hardest time just sitting for you know the hour and a half to do an art project, and I mean art's supposed to be fun and interactive and all those things, but like they literally had to run around the whole building <laughs> multiple times, you know, because they just didn't, they don't have that skill set in the repertoire mm. anymore to be able to like sit for that longer duration. So um, just a lot of like trying to like work on those things inadvertently, like you know, hey, let's play this game and sit for this amount of time, and um, just kind of try to build those gaps a little bit as mm-hmm. we're working with them. Um, so a lot of uh, things academically, I would say I've seen a lot of um, things that were already a little bit harder or like a more of a struggle um, in our area. It's just like made a bigger gap.
0: Wow. So. so the audience knows the gentleman I've talked to. So uh, just to go back a little bit, um, introduce yourself to the audience, uh, Emma. Hi. Um, and how long have you been?
2: Yeah, I've been at Micah 6 five years now, going on six years. Um, I originally came up right out of um, my undergrad, and when I came up, it was supposed to just be a summer internship. Um,
0: and what school was that?
2: I went to Harding University, so oh. it's down in Arkansas, a small school down there. Um, I did my undergrad in speech pathology, um, love that. I uh, came up here, uh, fully intended to just do a summer, I had plans to go to grad school back home for speech pathology, and that, um, I think it was like my second week here, um, I just like, no, this is what I want to do, mm. so um, changed life plans, um, some people weren't too happy about that, but that's okay, <laughs> um, so yeah. moved up here, um, and then started a lot of our kids programs um, with uh, that first summer was when we had our first, like, Micah 6 Kids Camp. Mm-hmm. Um, so each summer we do a kids camp where we um, are working with them either here or we go different places and do things. Um, and just, like, it's, it's mainly, like, fun, interactive. Um, a lot of our kiddos don't leave um, the Pontiac area, so we mm-hmm. like to take them to, you know, Detroit Zoo and the DIA and all of those places just to, like, visit outside yeah. of, um, their normal like area, what they see. Um, and then we do a lot of, um, I don't know, different, uh, just activities and things with them.
1: Yeah. And I think so much of what we see is, uh, that some of these opportunities are available to our kids. Getting there is incredibly Mm -hmm. hard. Uh, and so we we bought a 15-passenger van. We've been saving up for this thing for four years. Uh, and we finally bought it this amazing. year. amazing. It has been a game Our kids, changer. We yeah. have
2: a, a playlist we do every time we get in the car, and they'll be like, Miss Emma, Miss Emma, turn on the music. And we just jam the whole time. Um, they they absolutely love it. They have the best voices. They sing so well. Um, so, yeah, we'll take them to different places, do that. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool to interact
0: with them so where are you originally from
2: i'm originally from good old missouri
0: mm, Okay. so the midwest wasn't too much of a change for you
2: no it wasn't too bad
0: um what in your opinion has been um the biggest impact michael six has made with uh, the children's life Ooh.
2: um i <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, I always say that this space is the safe space for our kiddos. Mm-hmm. Um, that when they come in here, they don't, you know, they know right away if they're hungry, they go get a snack from the cabinet. They know they can come in and play games. They can come in. Um, I think a lot about, um, you know, Jermaine, one of our kids, he's he was at, at this point a seventh grader reading at a first grade reading level. He came in one day and just, he was, we had tutoring and we had one on one tutoring, like individual basis. Um, he was working um, with a reading specialist too to like really um, try to help get him caught up. And um, he came in and just <laughs> literally was just mad and just like going at everybody. And I, we finally, um, got everyone else to leave and I just sat down and I was like, what's going on, man? And he's like, I've been bullied all day at school because of this, because of that. And then I got home and I had to do my chores and I had to do this. And, um, and he just needed like that space to be able to let it all out. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, we've worked with some, um, people who do different counseling and different things to help, like, just start those conversations with kids. And, Mm -hmm. um, it always, I, this is like one of my favorite things about working with kids is there's no hiding <laughs> what they're feeling. Adults, no. when we get older, we, you know, tend to mask whatever we're really feeling and yeah. just put on that show. And kids, there's no hiding that, like you get what you get when you work with them. If they're upset, you're going to know it. If they're happy, you're going to know it. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, I just love that they come in and they feel safe enough to like, let all of that go. Cause I think a lot of them, Um, from what I've seen anyway, tend to hold on to that because they're dealing with other things or I have a lot of sibling groups and like the older siblings in particular, um, you know, help with the younger ones a lot. And so they don't get to just have those fun activities for themselves. Um, And so we do a lot of separating older and younger Mm -hmm. um, kids intentionally just to let the older ones, you know, not have to worry about, uh, and, and they should, like, help their younger siblings, but right. not have to worry about cleaning up after them or getting them the toys they want or, mm-hmm. you know, helping them build a, a Lego house they want to build. Like, they get they get to do that for themselves yeah. when they come in. Um,
0: it, I know oftentimes um, children in impoverished areas, um, if they're not the single child, oftentimes they're stuck taking care of their mm-hmm. younger siblings. So they almost take on a pseudo parental role yeah. and that kind of causes a certain level of trauma I think um because they're maturing way too fast mm-hmm. they they're not taking time to enjoy playing with Legos yeah. and just playing Nintendo carefree they're dealing with the stress of I gotta feed them yeah clean up after them um so with that being said how do the parents how do they show their gratefulness to
1: you guys We have, yeah, everything is a spectrum, right? I, so um, uh, one of my favorite stories is about Christian and Tony. Christian and Tony, uh, their mom, Michelle, uh, loved us and was so grateful. And she was, you know, had her own fights and her own demons that she was working through, but loved that, and, and this is so often the case. I think of several of our neighborhood drug dealers who had kids and things like that over the years they love knowing that if their kid walks out the door and they can't stop them because of whatever they're wrestling with, whether it's they're at work or they're in some addiction or they've got you know people they're entertaining or whatever, that that kid is going to walk out the door and go somewhere else mm-hmm. that he is loved and appreciated and right. entertained and whatever. And so, you know, Christian, I, I always say, you know, one time we were handing out box fans uh, here in Michigan. Most people don't have... Uh, air conditioning in, in the neighborhood and so we handed out a lot of box fans and we hand out a lot of space heaters in the winter. Uh, and so Christian came down once and he said, hey Coleman, I know you already gave my mom a box fan, but is there any way that I can get a box fan for me in my brother's room? I said, sure. It's nine. So I gave him a box fan. So there you go. See you later. And like, l- I look out the window a little bit later and like Michelle is dragging him down, down the road. And I was like, uh oh what's what's going on and she gets here and and she says you know Coleman, did you give him a box fan even though you weren't supposed to give him a box fan i thought she's disciplining him like we don't get no special treatment i I don't know where this was going and i said yeah yeah i I did but it's it's cool like you guys can have two box fans it's really okay she goes no he sold it (laughs) uh like he didn't even get all the way home and he had sold it for ten dollars and of course like i look at him and i'm like good job like you know way to go, buddy. uh and she's like no no this is not what we are teaching kids this is not how we you know and so you know um you know they they really so many parents sort of appreciate what we do love what we do and have sort of incorporated us in a lot of ways into their parenting stuff i mean mm-hmm. just the you know We've got to get this kid from this school and this their sibling from this school and there's going to be a time when, you know, there's not anyone home. Can you make sure to be there uh, when this kid gets home so that he knows, you know, that he can come hang out at your house? Or, um, you know, mom and grandma are working and so they're leaving, uh, gr- you know, the, the little girl with great grandmother who is an adult and is in the room, but it's not super cognizant. Uh, And so, you know, calling us every day and going, Hey, like, can you go next door and give, uh, you know, caddy her, uh, her seizure medication Mm. Um, that as a faithful and engaged presence with the children in this neighborhood, like we are often incorporated into the parent and grandparents plan for taking care of their kids. Uh, And that is, Babysitting, that is medication, that is keeping an eye on them, it's that is food. clothing, it's food, it's back to school, it's Christmas toys, it is, that Micah Six is a a, a central part of a lot of people's network of support for their kids.
0: What's the say, David? Yeah. Um, which leads um, into um, the Western Community Center. Um, talk... To the people about some of the tenants that you'll have in this uh community center and how they'll help assist with these children further
1: sure so we when we came in possession of the building we knew we wanted to build a community center pontiac used to have six community centers now it has zero uh and especially in, in our neighborhood you know we have a lot of folks who have a difficult time getting to resources i'm thinking of you know danielle who lives down the road who has two kids who to get from uh, you know, home to school to the WIC office to the social service agency that she uses to after school programs. Like, that's a lot of miles and a lot of trips on a car that is running really precariously. Um, and so that you know, any any one of those things, you know, falling apart or the car breaking down, really jeopardizes all the things that you know her and her kids are involved in. And so, you know, we said community center, resource center is going to be really important. But beyond that, like, we didn't really know what our neighbors wanted or needed. So we did uh, a large community survey in our neighborhood. We asked 225 people in our community what they wanted to see in that building. And I I would say we got weird answers. We got uh, urban bird watching. We got uh, low-cost dog grooming. We got uh, screen press, or, or it was uh, it was like paint, uh, air airbrush, t-shirt classes. <laughs> it was it was all sorts of stuff, and but the things that people really focused on uh, were sort of in four areas, which were arts and culture, health and wellness, youth programs, and entrepreneurship. Mm. Uh, and so we went to a lot of organizations that were providing those services already. Uh, And a lot of them had been named by people on that survey. And so we just said, hey, our neighbors want what you do. We're going to renovate this building. Do you want to be a tenant when it's all done? Mm -hmm. And so since 2019, we've had 100% of our space committed with about six organizations on a waiting list. Um, So sort of our major tenants in that building right now are... um, they're on our community health. They're taking five classrooms to put in a walk-in clinic uh, that has some sort of slant or, or preference toward pediatrics. Right. Uh, we've got six Head Start classrooms that are moving in. So uh, I think that's Head Start and pre-Head Start. So starting, I think, at two years old and up, right. uh, which is pretty exciting. Uh, the Art Experience, which is one of the programs that we already take our kids to in the summer, uh, moving in to do art programming for people in this neighborhood. Accent Pontiac, another great group that we partner with a lot, Accent... Uh, replaces music programming in Pontiac schools so anytime a school says oh we don't have money for a music program anymore accent comes in supplements that in the school Uh, we've got Kaleo Kids Kaleo Kids is a dance program that blends inner city and suburban kids into a dance program together and uh, PAL the Police Athletic League they're moving in to do basketball volleyball martial arts in that building we've got uh, a big again like we said a big element to getting kids to programs is transportation. And so SMART, which is our regional transportation authority, putting an indoor bus stop at that building, but also saying how can we connect places where kids are coming from? How do we make sure that kids can get on a SMART bus at their school and then get to Web for after-school programs? Mm. Um, so a lot of those connections, building those things out, uh, and sort of really bringing all that stuff to the neighborhood is really exciting. But it sort of puts us in a weird spot in a lot of different ways because... You know, we've been doing, you know, we've been the only ones running kids programs on this side of town for a while. And when that school's done, there's going to be six organizations doing kids programs. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, what is our role? What is our lane? Other than making sure that the kids that we already know so well in this neighborhood are getting plugged in to those programs and, you know, transportation. If there's independent ride shares and things like that coming out of that building, maybe we're not giving rides anymore. Maybe SMART does that. Uh, and so there's a, a time coming up pretty soon where we're going to have a, a pretty big team meeting where we go, what do we do now? Um, I think the answer is still food. We still grow a lot of food. Right. Uh, church, you know, that's still us. We'll still do that. But uh, there are other organizations coming to that building who do some of the stuff that we do but and do it better than us. And so we're more than happy to sort of push people toward those programs, toward those resources, and get them plugged in there with uh, other organizations. So it's going to be weird. It's going to be a weird time.
0: Where do you, um, I know it's a little uh, premature, but where do you envision, other than growing food, where is the next thing you're going to tap into? Is it going to be more ministry-heavy at that point? Or um, just what do you see next?
1: Um... I'm not allowed to talk about it. Okay. Or I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to work on it, but I can talk about it, and I talk about it a lot. Um, That's
0: an interesting answer. <laughs> so, so
1: my my board. Uh, I I love projects. Ninety hmm. percent of the way. That last ten yeah. percent is brutal. Uh, it is just. It's folding the last laundry basket it is it's it's you know it's the socks it's you know I can I would love to, I love painting a bedroom or a living room I hate edging um, it is like the last 10% just really kills me so I'm not allowed to work on anything new until Webster is you know okay. until financing is closed and rolling down the hill but we own another school building um, and there was sort of a parlay deal uh, where The balance on the first school on Webster was forgiven uh, on the contingent that we also took another school. Uh. Um, So we own two school buildings in Pontiac, Uh, and so Webster is almost to that tipping point and running on its own. Um, Emerson is uh, another school building. It's three separate buildings. It's a gym, it's a two-story academic building, and then it's a one-level-eight classroom annex, but it sits on six acres. And so the plan is uh, we are going to uh, repurpose that property uh, as 23 tiny homes uh, for nice. rent, rent to own uh, either first assets for maybe somebody young coming out of college who doesn't have kids and doesn't yeah. need a lot of space or you know, retirees who are on a fixed income. Uh, we're modeling i think our our model after central detroit not central detroit uh cast uh, community down in detroit where uh your mortgage on that property is the square footage of the home so if it's 400 square feet you pay 400 dollars a month uh in a lease and at the end of seven years you own it um, for that,
0: no?
1: so i i <laughs> i love it i think that um, there is not a ton of housing being developed in mm-hmm. that low range. Most banks aren't messing with mortgages that are below $75,000. They just don't make enough money on them. Mm. Uh, and so you got to find another mechanism to get people who can't afford it. The average home in, in Oakland County being built right now is going to be $230,000. Um, this is not fixing the housing problem. This no. is not creating uh, affordable housing or, or even opening up the market for uh, entry level ownership which
0: it's widening the gap,
1: mm-hmm. and entry you know entry level ownership is what built the middle class. It's you know how we sort of start narrowing some of this gap and disparities between uh, different race groups and things like that. It's home ownership, and mm-hmm. so um, being able to work with people to build uh, wealth through a first uh, you know a first time homebuyer program uh, is probably what we're working on next.
0: Yeah, cause it, it, we take our young people and immediately put them in a debt and then they're always working from behind the eight ball i
1: i I just i don't know anybody who doesn't who's in an apartment with less than three roommates right now who's you know coming out of coming out of college you know and they're still spending a lot like it's it's not like this is the way to to you know get cheap rent it's they're all still paying a lot and it is uh it's tough so uh, there needs to be another option and we're going to do a little little part here to see what we can do in that space.
0: So your hands will be free, Emma. <laughs> yeah. What will you do next?
2: <laughs> um, or are you
0: going to be doing something over at Webster?
2: I, I mean, I would like to see and just make sure, uh, kind of oversee just connecting a lot of the organizations with kids. Because mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, we... Um, myself in particular, really work with them all individually. And so just making sure they're all connected with each other um, in the building. Um, just because, you know, the more support you have for the kiddos, I think um, it goes a long way. Um, me personally, I don't know yet. <laughs> so stick with him and see where it goes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Cole, I hate to do this. Uh, I have to throw in a conversation we had beforehand because we always, we still talk church mm-hmm. and uh, you, you told me about an interesting conversation with, with someone from another congregation um, just to say they had their concerns mm-hmm. about what they do and I think conversations that like we just, that we had is a lot of the problem with not only unity within the body of Christ but the disparities also that we don't see the good in, in what somebody is doing, we it's easier to find the problem as opposed to the good. Sure. Um, Tell folks about a conversation. No names, please. Sure, sure. Um,
1: So we had a a conversation with a um, well-meaning, and I I always have to sort of go back to like, it is well-meaning, I don't think that it is malicious. Uh, Brother who had a number of objections about our organization, about our work, and about how we handle ourselves and conduct ourselves. Uh, but really what he, he came down to was uh, that we don't have elders at our church uh, and so we we're, we're, we are you know we are a congregation operating in error uh, because we don't have elders and and I invited him to come and hang out with any of our people and uh, and come up with a list of recommendations for who he thinks should be elders at our church and he was just so committed to this idea that you know, I, I, he said, well, maybe you should submit yourself to another congregation. I was like, a congregation that doesn't know us, that doesn't know our people, that isn't even in our city? Like, make that make sense. Um, and and I, I think that it is, and I, I know we've talked about this a bit, is that I think that there is there is some generational element to this. Um, Absolutely. That, you know, I was just at Harding uh, at their Bible lectureship and sort of talking about... Uh, our organization and how it really grew up and how um, we sort of came to an impasse uh, for a time there where churches were looking at all of our food work and all of our uh, benevolence work and saying, oh, that looks more like a nonprofit. That doesn't look like a church. And then a lot of foundations were looking at our work and going, oh, we see you feeding people. We see you doing food desert work. We see you doing all this. But we see this church, and so we're uncomfortable with that. Um, And so... um It just, like, was was this this weird moment where, you know, this group's uncomfortable with it, this group's uncomfortable with it, and the only losers in that situation are my neighbors. Uh, And so, you know, kind of restructuring the way that we did where church operates, you know, independently, and then the organization is doing all this stuff, but partners with the church to feed people and to get people jobs and to get people into housing and get people, like, resourced. And that... um, this we sort of laid out the structure in this room, and you know it was a packed house. Um, and anybody that was in that room said, "Oh, I have some real problems with with this." Uh, we're probably all over sixty five. Uh, and I said, "Anyone in this room who's a student who's under forty gets it. They know why we had to do this, and they have no problems with it." And you know, unfortunately, not unfortunately, I shouldn't say unfortunately maybe unfortunately I guess if we are building diverse congregations we should also be seeking diverse leadership um unfortunately most churches are run by folks who are 65 plus right now and so um whenever I go and sort of present our work to an elder elder board they have a really hard time with it but their students love coming out here and working and Mm -hmm. doing it uh and so it's just sort of this generational difference right now and It'll be interesting long-term to see how it plays out. Uh, I know, like I said earlier, that I, I love the church. I love the institutional church. I love what it has done for me and for so many. Um, but it, And it's a little scary right now to not know anyone, I don't know anybody under the age of 35, who says they aspire to be a deacon in their church. Um, that's scary. You know, a lot of them yeah. just go, oh, I, I just want to be doing what you're doing. Um, and, you know, the that we've got to find a way to sort of make this work for both sides and for both groups and for both organizations.
0: Um, is there a way to guide in their minds to showing them that what they're doing is actually what should be happening in the first place?
1: I don't know many people who have actually come out here and done the work with us who left and said, I don't see the merit. Um, I think if you see it, I think if you spend time with it, if you engage with our neighbors, if you see, you know, the church that we have that you know works in our backyard and uh, meets at you know in the back of our vegetable store, like you get it. Um, and I think some some people might still leave and have a hard time drawing it on paper, um, but they go, I don't know how it works, but it works. Um, and we've we've had our Fair number of skeptics show up over the years and leave and go. No, oh, yeah, this is this is pretty cool.
0: That's good. That's good. Um we're gonna wrap it up. Well, before we wrap it up we wanna to talk to one of the guys that you've been assisting over the years. Um Are you guys still accepting donations? How can people get out to help you guys
1: always um we cannot do our work without the the people who donate and support and come out and volunteer and talk about it and share about it um so if, if you're looking for a way to donate micah six the number six community.com if you want to learn more about our community center project you can go to webstercommunity.org Um and then all the all the buttons for giving and all that good stuff are there
0: Okay, okay. And then we're gonna get Josh and we're gonna talk to Josh for a little while and then I'll free you. All right.
1: There you go.
0: All right, we now have the protector of Micah Six. We have a young man by the name of Josh. Uh he's been, um uh, literally, um, at the um footsteps of Micah Six for uh quite some time from what I believe. Um he has a um solid uh relationship with um The folks here, Uh, he's helped on numerous activities, Uh, but I'll let him speak for himself. Josh, nice to meet you. Um, Nice to meet you. Tell folks about yourself. Well,
3: it's for, I guess it's basically a win-win situation. I help them out; they help me out every so often. Like, it's just how I, I pay. I like to pay it forward, to be honest. So, Mm -hmm. it's just helped me pay it forward a lot.
0: Um. How did you initially get hooked up with Cole?
3: My father. I moved in with him about a year and a half, two years ago. Had a little little bumpy road. Never saw us even come here to ch- go to church and all that. So, mm. yeah.
0: Where were you originally from? Are you from the Michigan? There.
3: I've been in multiple places. I. My whole life was basically hopping around from place to place, family member to family member, stuff like that.
0: Um, If you don't mind talking about it, um, no pressure at all, um, what got you to the point where you were hopping around?
3: Most of it wasn't my choice. Hmm. Like, My mom wasn't anywhere in my life at all my dad was visiting every so often they had a little court situation where they get my dad wasn't allowed to have me for a while I had to live with one of my aunts was there for four years had to go to another aunt there for about seven eight years then moved back to the first aunt another four years then I after that I sent to a boys' home because I accused of something I didn't do. Mm. She got rid of her guardianship over me, went to boys' home. And then I went, uh, after that, after the corona started, I started living with uh, a third aunt mm. for, I want to say, two, three, four years. Then I moved here with my dad. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. <coughs> Where do you see the, um, where has been the biggest benefit for Micah Six to
3: Josh? Oh, well, right now me and my dad aren't really on good situations. Mm-hmm. They're giving me a place to sleep and all that, so. Yeah, that's my biggest benefit. I get a place to stay, and mm-hmm. that, that makes me want to help them even more.
0: Um, My friend Cole has a sarcastic sense of humor to say the least <laughs> um in the midst of helping him with all he does have you had to want to put your hands around him a couple of times here there no no it's okay to admit it
3: yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> i
0: got your back <laughs> um, oh go um what's what do you see in josh what, what do you see his potential
1: Josh, I, I we talked a lot about, you know, this summer that, you know, every group we had, whether they are from Texas or Minnesota or Illinois or Florida or whatever, like, every group just latches on to Josh. Like, they're all just like, oh, who is this, you know, who's this nice young man? He's just <laughs> like, he's so fun. He just gets along with everybody and he's so helpful with, you know, X, Y, or Z. And so, um Josh tries to, I think, sometimes be a a porch curmudgeon and sit over there by himself and be like, Uh, but (laughs) Josh Josh has an energy about him that people really dig and that people really enjoy and that people really like being around.
0: Okay. What do you see in future?
1: I'm
3: not sure yet, to be honest. I just go off the flow most of the time.
0: Okay. Do um, Do you assist with the ministry or anything like that, or is that something you're interested in doing? Um, slowly I'm yeah. moving too fast
3: no it's just like I just try I'm again like I said I go with the flow so I just help out around I do what I do every so often I help out just mm. basically anything anything that I need help with I do um. like when the summer was around I came around basically I was trying to help the the kids and all that because like They'd be working that when they were here to work around, so I just tried to, like, relieve some stress if they have any just in case. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, from your perspective, um, where do you see the biggest um, benefit of Micah Six to this community?
3: So, well, at the moment, they're working on the community center, which he probably talked about. Mm-hmm that's a big big thing right there like a lot of people are going to be going there and trying to do stuff to either get get like a head start on their careers or just to help out around the community
0: okay um do you see um how do you feel about the kids and like especially with Emma um do you see that there's a certain level of gratefulness do you see a level of um I don't know what's the best word to put it, but are they um, learning more? Are they becoming more engaged um, with things? As
3: the young ones for sure, teens are half and half. That's I've seen. I've noticed that. Like it, sometimes Bible study, you are just like sitting there chilling, talking about stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's good. It's it's nice. It gets, really lets some gets some self off your chest, but like. Sometimes they can get out of hand. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm basically there to try to help them not get out of hand at, at times. Like with laser tag, I was like a second shot of Barone for that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: Is it um typically harder, and I believe this to be true, but by the time they become 13, 14, they're a little bit more um, hardened in their ways, if you will, um, as opposed to the little ones, you can mold them a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I just, I, yeah, thirteen, fourteen. That's just sort of where we see our drop off. Like that's kind of where we lose track of kids. They they they're off doing their own stuff, whether it's, uh, you know, useful things, uh, you know, academically or whatever, or less useful things, you know, like shoplifting and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a, a pretty rough week this summer with uh, probably five or six of our. Kids that, that really, I mean, it's, it's you know, we, we had that conversation about, you know, some churches going, we're not, we're here for these people, we're not here for these people. Well, you know, how, how do we do X, Y, or Z and, you know, what do we do when we've got a group of our teens this summer threatening to beat up, you know, one of our volunteers that brought dinner because he asked them to be quiet during church while two of our interns were trying to lead church and... Mm-hmm. You know, and he's like you believe be quiet and they're like, oh man you do do I'll be here. like it turned into a whole thing and it was like what in the world is going on right now and I mean that volunteer looked at me and said, good with your thug ministry. I'm never coming back and mm. that's stuff that's yeah. that's hard to hear that's hard to see It's hard to see kids that you know you love being jerks like that's not cool not fun. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, 13, 14, 15, we just sort of lose them, uh, and it's, it's to all the normal stuff, right? I mean, mm-hmm. somebody asked me long ago, not long ago, you know, how many, you know, girls have you seen, or, you know, I think they, they may have said kids in general, and maybe they were talking about girls who, you know, have altered their path because of the work that you've done, and we go, none. I still don't know that we haven't seen a girl out of this neighborhood who hasn't been a teen mom um, I don't know that we've walked too many kids through graduation mm-hmm. um, that you know they get an amazing amount of love while they're here in whatever capacity they're here in but uh, in terms of you know a uh, blindside moment of like we really turned this kid's life around and no um
0: does that get defeating at all
1: absolutely yeah I mean we we have and, and sometimes we have to really keep it from becoming pre-defeating uh we have three boys right now that are all siblings that we love so so much um and they're turning 13 or 14 and it, so we have to make sure that it's, like, not in our minds, like, pre-decided that we're about to lose them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we just sort of know the trend. And, you know, they have younger siblings, which means that we're going to get to stay plugged in at least on some way for, you know, a couple more years to come. But, um, yeah, we're, you know, we've already seen that friend group. You know, there were probably six, six boys in that friend group. I think three of them spent time in children's village now, which is our kid lockup in town. Um, you know expulsion is a and suspension is a way of education, <laughs> I guess uh, that <laughs> when your class size is thirty four, thirty five kids, yeah. you can't handle that that one kid who's being even a little obnoxious, and so you suspend expel. I mean, one of our kids Tiger the other day texted and said hey three of us are on suspension and we're all at home what are you guys doing do you want to hang out today just like (laughs) I would love to actually yeah it would be great to see y'all you know and and just you know that it's we have this weird very cynical conversation every once in a while not with with them in particular but how much of our role is just getting them out of their homes Mm. um you know that I I think in in the juvenile system and in you know when we talk about parent parent separation and parent court like the goal is unification with family but I mean for sometimes like it's it's not great for a lot of these kids I mean we were just uh we had some kids break into our other school building the other day and um, cops caught two two girls four boys bolted you know and left the girls behind and they get caught and you know, they're in the backseat being difficult, you know, what are your names? I don't know. How old are you? I don't know. What's your address? I don't know. What are your parents' names? I don't know. Um, and I mean, the cop asked me, he said, what do you want to do? Like, they broke in, they are breaking stuff, like, this is felony level breaking and entering and destruction mm-hmm. of property stuff, and I was like, I don't want to ruin any lives. I would love to talk to parents. If I can talk to parents, that would be great. And so, we got a hold of one mom who pulled in, and like, and the parents are stressed out. Like, she pulled in on her phone, never took her phone off her ear, and said, so what are y'all going to do? And the cop said, well, that's what we actually wanted to talk to you about because this is the land, land, landowner. He just wanted to have a conversation. And she, not even pulling down the phone, she just says, listen, I got five other kids at home. I do not have time for this. Take her to jail and charge her. Just 13. Wow. And then drove off. And me and the cop just looked at each other and we were like, the cop said, that's not what I expected. And said, me either. And he says, well, now I'm stuck because she actually usurps you. That it was your property. But if a parent pulls in and guardian pulls in and says, take him to jail, I don't get to say, don't do that. Wow. And grandma showed up, and grandma said, actually, she's been living with me. She doesn't even live with her mom. And the cop said, Are, do you have anything on paper that says you're a guardian? No. Nope. She says, I don't. She says, well, then I'm stuck executing the parents' orders, which is to take her to jail. Wow. Um, it is hard being a kid in this neighborhood. Um, and... We talk a lot about like what is our role? What you know? I don't want to think of us as a. I mean, there's all sorts of weird colonial feelings about, uh, being the white people who are trying to get the kids out of their families as much as possible to see what we're doing and see how we live and exert our influence Mm. so that maybe they don't look like their parents. That is, I don't.
0: Um, I didn't even think about that. that. Is
1: not a that is not a line I want to walk. That is not not a idea that I want to preach but there are plenty of people who come here who say this is what you should be doing Um, but you know we have a rule that we don't call CPS on anybody that we haven't tried to support as a parent first Um, what do they they need? Do they need diapers? Do they need food? Do they need whatever? Like If we haven't exhausted ourselves trying to support that parent then we're not at a place to call anybody yet um, but there have been times where we've hit that place, and I don't love that. I don't want to be the white people in the neighborhood who are calling CPS on
3: mm-hmm.
1: parents, and because a lot of those people look at us and go, "Oh, we had it way worse than my kid has it right now," which is probably true. Um, so th- these are things that we wrestle with a lot, and that you know, and I, I say all the time is that there are a number of fields, whether it's social work, whether it's education, whether it's you know whatever where we really fall in love with people's potential. They're a homeless person and we, wouldn't it be great if they were a homed person? Or this kid is, you know, wouldn't it be great if this kid ends up being you know, a college graduate? Wouldn't it be great if this person who's in addiction ends up being clean? uh, And we really fall in love with people's potential, but we are, I mean, it is baked into what we do. Like our job is to love whoever shows up at the door. Mm -hmm. and whatever version of that person is here today and we love on a lot of kids as they show up we love on a lot of bad parents as they show up we love on a lot of great parents when they show up um we want all of those things for all of our people but we cannot fall in love with this hypothetical person at the expense of the actual person who's standing right in front of us
0: um you said something wow you said something real powerful um But I think we are beyond the stage when we're on ground zero like this. I think it's beyond that colonization thing. Um, Because as you know, like I know, if the parents don't show the love, however that manifests, like she got five children, you know, that young lady, I'm sure her hands are tied with a thousand other things. Then there's just the potential that she just doesn't care. Um, if the parents don't show the proper love the streets certainly will.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's beyond this white and black thing. Mm-hmm. It's about showing them the love of Christ first and foremost and then that someone cares. And if that comes in the form of a white man Chinese man, green man it doesn't matter at this point.
1: I wish that were true.
0: And you know, And if we can get past these barriers of these boxes that we're locked into or mm-hmm. these things of perception that I just want the best for this kid. Mm-hmm. Forget about, oh, some white man trying to show them a better mm-hmm. life. That It just is what it is at this point. Like you, they, it was almost a life and death decision. Like that one thing can alter that little girl's life because mm-hmm. now she's in the system. Yeah. Then the system leads to any other. She should get in trouble. Okay. One thing, she has a pattern now. When it could've just been, you know what, let her hang with Coleman for a day or two. If we can get past that, then we're not creating this revolving door of uh, poorness, we're not, we're uneducation. Uh, It's it's just a revolving door of crime and, and going to jail and being part of the system. And now, Unfortunately, you live in this, I hate to put it this way, you live in this black person experience.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm, I'm even reticent to say that because I have the resources. I can leave. I That any day I can go, yeah. nope, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to go wherever, um, which is not the experience of most of my and, and And I think one of the things that helps us in terms of credibility in this community is that people see us being more committed to this community than they are. Like, we've been here for 10 years. Like, there's nobody in this neighborhood that's been here for 10 years. Uh, You know, that, you know, there have been two different people that got murdered, you know, either in front of this house or on our property. And we're still here that, you know, that, you know, when somebody goes off and wants to wave a gun at me or whenever, you know, we have weird moments with, you know, X, Y, or Z that, like, we're more committed to this community than a lot of the people who come through this community. And I think that that really helps. But at the same time, yeah, I don't know how many different ways I've had the conversation with parents who go, Oh, you think, you know, better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that was our neighbor down the street. whose uh, daughter decided to be trans and he threw her on the street and she came here, the cops brought her here, and they said, she said that this is a safe place, is this a place that she can live for the next six months just to finish school? And we said, mm, yeah. And But he was here, you know, every couple of days, oh, you're, you're gonna raise her, uh, you know, the, you know this idea, this idea of being trans, this comes from white people, like, it's tearing up families, that, you know, you think you know, whatever, or I mean, I think of Jeremiah, our, our little kid in the neighborhood who uh, I said, little kid. He was fourteen. He uh, loved playing soccer with us. We'd play soccer every Thursday, and he was he liked it, and he was really good at it. And his dad came down here mad as hell one day. Uh, we didn't know what we didn't know had happened was uh, you can pick one sport for spring sports, uh, soccer or basketball. And Jeremiah picked soccer, and that was a betrayal of the hopes that his dad had for him to be yeah. a baller, you know, and you know, this is because of y'all and you know, he would have never played soccer if y'all hadn't, you know, I mean, it is, we get it a lot and you know, it is a weird moment to also love those parents. I mean, that, that dad yelled at me and says, and, you know, this is a whole other hang-up in the community, but, like, you're not going to make my son gay. And I said, you are right. I, <laughs> I am not <laughs> going to do that. Right. Uh, and like, But that was the leap from my son plays soccer now. Like, okay. Um, it is, you know, our role in the kid's space, in the kid's life is that is something we sit around and think about and talk about and are constantly evaluating and checking all the time. Um, And I think where we've landed most often is that we are, we are here to support parents, Mm -hmm. even bad parents. Yeah. Um, We're not stepping in. We're not trying to take that role away from anybody. Um, You know, it is, it is our our space to support parents. We're not as much as we want to and as much as it sometimes feels like we are when mom goes to jail and I've got 10 days of kids at my house because there's no one at home. Like, sometimes it feels like we are replacing, um, but uh, we have to always remind ourselves that we're we're here to support.
0: Just fill in the gut. Um I know, personally, parent. Sometimes the toughest thing to admit is, you know, what someone can do better. Mm-hmm. It may not mean that I'm giving my child over, but there's something Justin learned that was outside of me that was better than I could show him, and I just have to admit it for the betterment of him. Yeah. And when we get locked in these racial frame of minds or um, self denial. Or you want to put the blame on everyone else in the world. You get the reactions that you're getting. Instead of saying, you know what? In this space and time, I'm working 12 hours. Cole and his team can provide better care for my kids than I can. And if what Cole's doing is keeping him off the street and selling drugs to get him in that revolving door of trouble, then it is what it is. got to admit that. Mm -hmm. And say, Micah 6 is best. And this, it doesn't mean he's taking over as my child's parent, but he's filling a certain gap that I can't do, and I have to admit that. And and it makes for a better community, because once upon a time, I, I used to, I was telling him on my street, I knew everybody down the street, but now we've become so separate and isolated. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was prior to COVID nineteen, where everybody got tucked away and locked down. We don't know who our neighbors are anymore. Mm-hmm. I used to be able, to, if I lose my keys, I could go to a variety of ten houses, <laughs> and I felt safe.
1: Yeah.
0: Now it's like, oh, what you doing with my child? Protecting him. Mm-hmm. I'm caring for him. If you knew that, if you knew me, just to make for a better community, yeah. Then we can have the Josses of the world. You'll feel comfortable. You'll know, just like Josh has your own reputation. Mm-hmm. They know you. Josh protects the neighborhood. He protects Micah Six. He's here for whatever your child needs. But if you take the time to know a person, forget about skin color. You just know. That's part of the problem. We don't know, and we're scared of what we don't know. Mm-hmm. Get off my hot horse, Josh. What's uh, what do you see in your future for Micah Six, or do you do you want to do more?
3: I mean. It all depends on where I'm going to be in, like, i I say six months. Let's say I'm still living around here. Of course, I'm going to still stick around and help out as much as I can. Mm -hmm. Because I'm I'm doing it because of my free volition. I don't get paid. I don't care about getting paid. It's about helping the community. Absolutely. So if I have the uh, opportunity to help out the community, I definitely will
0: you keep up the good work i'm sure he appreciates. It. i appreciate what you do from a distance um y'all have a mighty task on y'all hands 10 years and still marching mm-hmm. um so tell us about some of the fundraisers too i saw death about chocolate
1: yeah death by chocolate got Santa like workshop coming mm-hmm, up mm-hmm. so yeah a couple of events coming up our block blitz is our big uh We do a spring and a fall Block Blitz, basically just picking a different street, doing home improvement projects, doing a lot of cleanup. So our our Newberry Street Block Blitz is coming up here in a couple weeks. Then uh, Death by Chocolate is our uh, fundraiser that we do every year. Basically we find uh, local bakers. So do our best to find Pontiac people uh, who we bring them to an event uh, where we bring in people who uh like us and support us but also like pontiac businesses and like chocolate uh and it is a dessert competition so basically you show up you get a ballot you go try everybody's thing then you vote on your favorite one uh winner at the end of the night gets a cash prize and gets a trophy that says that they're the winner of death by chocolate uh, 2022 um but you know everybody in that room just tried four local bakers uh and tried their stuff and now can go and say oh i've had their stuff and or they go, to the farmers market. And they go, oh, April's here. I've I've had April stuff over at Death by Chocolate, so that's great. Uh, and then yeah, Santa's Workshops are a big, uh, big winter event. So that is a number of years ago. Started talking to people, finding out you know what the process is to get Christmas help. Mm-hmm. And uh, first of all, we're we're in October right now, but uh, so we're too late. You got to sign up in mid September oh, wow. uh, to get Christmas help. Uh, You got to uh, jump through a number of hurdles to prove how poor you are, which is uh, always embarrassing. You got to have all your documentation for all your kids. You got to have proof that you're their guardian, all that stuff. And so, you know, we have a lot of grandparents who are raising grandkids kind of off the books. Mm -hmm. And they can't get Christmas help. And if you, for any reason, have lost your ID or you get the birth certificate or it's tied up in XYZ, like, you can't get... Christmas help, and so we uh, we said, okay, like what if we just got rid of all that stuff? What if we just collected toys for kids, and anybody can show up and tell us how many kids you're, you're shopping for? Uh, and it's basically they just come through and they get to pick two toys per kit. Uh, we wrap them at the end, we send them out the door. We tell you tell people don't bring your kids uh, because I don't want a kid uh, to open a toy on Christmas Day. And find out that it came from an agency or an organization um, doesn't. We don't need that. I don't care. Um, people, are like, what if somebody's taking advantage of you and they say they're gonna sh- they're shopping for three kids but they only have two kids? I'm like, oh no! What if kids get more presents? Wouldn't that be horrible? So last year we did toys for 832 kids, uh, and I think we'll probably be about that size again this year. We had it was drive-through because of COVID stuff and it wrapped. Around the neighborhood, and uh, went all the way down the block, and mm-hmm. people got mad at us, and I was like, "Good." Uh, so, uh, that's our, our big Christmas event every year.
0: Emma, what you want the kids to have for the holiday season?
2: What do I want the kids to have for yeah. the holiday season? What do you wish
0: for your kids to get this year.
3: Um.
0: Ooh. And what can they do? Are they able to donate stuff to you so, guys off the books? So, they gotcha. to-
1: if they are, this is uh, we've gotten really good at this uh, over the past couple of years. Uh, on the website, if you go to mica6community.com, you can find the Santa's Workshop tab, and there's an Amazon wish list, uh, and so you can buy it off Amazon and have it shipped directly was, here. Yeah. I just uh, put
2: 400 toys on there the other day. So there
1: go. yeah, there's there lots
2: go. to choose from. We get all the different ages. We try to make sure we have enough for you know babies through teens. Um,
1: so four, 400 toys. If we did 800 kids last year, that's Sixteen hundred toys. So that's only like one fourth of what we need is on the Amazon. Wish oh, list I'll still right
2: now. keep it going. Okay, so go. no worries. Yeah. But that's our, that's just our starter, <laughs> our starter list. So, okay. um, we always are saying anything new. Um, we don't want to hand out used toys. No. We want them to get something new. Um, we get you know dolls, action figures, Legos. Legos are always a big hit. Um,
1: Games. Yeah. You know, Games, like,
2: interactive toys, mm-hmm. educational toys that are fun. I'm always big on those. I add a lot, mm-hmm. which i know is My wife too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I certainly hope that community center rescues some of those teens.
1: Well, you too. Well, I... Just when I think about, you know, there's no reason anybody who goes to that community center is only using one organization in that building that... Everybody should be able to utilize at least two or three different organizations in there that either, whether it's, you know, you're grocery shopping, you're right around the corner from the WIC office, or you're going to Head Start and dropping a kid off at Head Start, or you're going to the coffee shop down the way, like, everybody should be able to connect with at least two or three organizations in that building, and when you have that sense of connection, like, that's community, right, and that's, that's the stuff that starts noticing kids falling through the cracks, or kids not having enough to do, or not being challenged properly, and so... Um, yeah, we're going to go from having a vacant building in the middle of this neighborhood to a building whose whole goal is helping and improving people's lives. That's going to be a big deal. You know,
0: website for the community uh,
1: WebsterCommunity.org.
0: Okay, so, folks, check that out. Uh, Cole, appreciate your time. Appreciate your accommodations and taking up all your time. I'm sure my son Justin appreciates it. Um, That'll wrap up this interview. Yeah. again thank you thank you Emma thank you so, thank you and that'll be all folks thanks for checking out this episode of Liberation subscribe to the show and follow Liberation on Twitter and Instagram at Liberation underscore pod Liberation is sponsored by Doodlebugs by DeVita thoughtful handmade jewelry designs inspired by love peace and unity shop Doodlebugs at doodlebugsbydevita.square.site For the Etsy lovers, it's doodlebugsbydevita.etsy.com. Use the promo code Liberation and get 10% off your order. Follow Doodlebugs on Twitter at doodlebugs4u. That's doodlebugs, the number four, the letter U. And Instagram, doodlebugsbydevita.